Burlap Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Burlap Podcast. My name is Paul Shinneman. I'm the host. And today we're talking again with Chris Fonesby, and we're going to be talking about the difference between spiritual and religious for uh, millennials. Um, that uh, phrase, spiritual but not religious, has been kind of attached to this generation uh, as, as ones who have um, picked or self-selected that label for themselves at a higher percentage rate than other generations. And so uh, today we're just going to talk about what do they actually mean um, in their own words between the difference between spiritual and religious. And just starting off, uh, one of the things that I was kind of interested in, in thinking about or talking through was kind of assumptions that we have. So, so Chris, on your side of things, what are some assumptions that you come to with this label, spiritual but not religious? Yeah, it's been fun to dig into our latest uh, batch of, of uh, research here. Again, we uh, took 100 people from around the country and just asked them the question, how is being a spiritual person and a religious person different? And so my assumptions going into that question was that there would be a lot of folks who just said there really isn't much difference. But what we got out of it was a lot of uh, comments and articulation around just how different it is. And the, the interesting thing to me as it relates to this, this question is that when I'm in personal conversations with young adults in my church or in my community, you know, it's so, I don't know what the word is, I guess bold, you know, this statement, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And so one of the things that I wanted to test was, okay, so what do people actually mean by this? I mean, we can go online, we can read all kinds of different articles, but at the end of the day, like, what are we actually getting to? And going into it, I assumed that we would we would hear things like, which are very common things, I think, for all of us that hear that at least ask this question or uh, read this this uh, about this question, uh, spiritual but not religious. And that is that the first of all that the institution, the tradition of the church, is one of the things that the people immediately declared as the difference between spiritual and religious. That spiritual does not in any way connect with the institution and the tradition that is the church. So I wasn't surprised by that necessarily, and I wasn't surprised by the second big insight, which was the rigidity or the rules or the structure that uh, those who were commenting on the difference between spirituality and religion were, um, were stating, that, like, I just don't want to get wrapped up into the religious rules of it all. So tradition and institution and then structure. And then obviously, I think for many it would be obvious that when we're talking about spiritual things, many folks assume and kind of articulate that that's an interior life where religion is an exterior life. So going into it, I knew that we would kind of see those things, but I wanted to see what the other side of it was. I wanted to see, well, what can we get some insights from that have more to do with sort of a hopeful outlook that the church can pursue as it struggles to figure out how do we connect with millennials who say, well, I'm spiritual but not religious, and then how do we begin to articulate new ways of describing that for people? Because for me, as I'm looking at this, it's clearly not necessarily spiritual over religious because of theological issues or because of the lack of the supernatural or 
because of the uh, maybe cosmic battles. I mean, people obviously articulated in this research that there's good and there's evil and all these kinds of things. The practices weren't necessarily seen as bad things. I felt like there was this overall connection to, to, the, to a greater narrative or something bigger than ourselves. So all of that kind of, you know, was obvious in this research. But the three things that I wasn't, that I got out of it that I wasn't thinking I would get going, going into it was, first of all, the, how important uh, the relational side of the spirituality is. That it was a relationship with the church, with God, with others, whoever, but the relational side was the key indicator in many people's responses as it related to the difference between uh, spiritual and religious. Not just that they were uh, relational people, but that it had a relationship component to it in terms to be deeply spiritual. The second thing was the openness, like this idea that there's learning, there's growing, there's dialogue in spirituality, whereas for these folks who filled out this uh, survey, they were kind of coming at it from like, religion doesn't have that, just spirituality does. And then the third now, thing was... Well, the, the thing I just want to interrupt and say is that um, of the people that took this survey that you're talking about, I think that the number's around 62% that either uh, identify it or someone somewhat identify with the label spiritual. So, you know, one of the things that I was thinking as I was looking back through these responses from people and their description of spiritual and religious definitions was that most of these people have a positive view of spirituality um, and going into it. So the fact that, uh, that people, one, are describing it as relational and two, describing it as open uh, in terms of spirituality, um, I think might be, for me, a reflection of of what people hope that they're like, um, that they're relational people, that they're open people. Um, and so in some of those ways, I, I think that uh, that what we get in a response to what spirituality is, it's kind of a, a hope of what their own, you know, their own stance towards life is, which I think is a helpful way to engage people. Um, because if people are imagining themselves to be um, relational and open, then to engage them in a conversation uh, <laughs> means that, that they want it. You know, they want a conversation about faith, uh, about, uh, about Christ, about a narrative that's bigger than them. Um, and so I think starting with the positive that, that people have this imagination of who they are, um, that they're, um, they're connected to uh, other people and a higher being, and that they're open uh, is, is something to glean from this too. What do you what do you think about that? No, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think that's the the hopeful side of all of this for the church trying to reach millennials is that there is this view that 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 not only do I claim to be spiritual over religious, that in my spiritual claim that I hope to be the very things that you articulated earlier, which clearly are shown in this research, which is relationship, mm -hmm. openness, and then the third one, which is values or virtues, this idea that there is something that guides me. It's just not a free-for-all. There's a belief. Mm -hmm. There's a connection to a story. There's this desire for peace. The, the difference, I feel, is I'm looking through this research and continue to develop insights every time that I look at it, but it's like that most of the people clearly through this, their, their responses 
don't want religion to restrict who they are becoming. And I think that's the fear, the fear that many of them have in connecting to this institution, this place of rigid rules, or this exterior way of life. If you take the other side of what we saw in terms of the responses, that there's this restriction that comes with all that. And so I think as churches continue to engage millennials to sort of meet them where they are, no matter where they are sort of in the segmentation of millennials, if they're uh, an up-and-comer or a traditionalist or a skeptic, wherever they, they are in that, that if they can meet them where there is a sense of, of, um, of, of personal connection, relational this openness and this virtues, this value-driven uh, life, I think that's going to be a huge factor. Because we already know that many of the millennials who have commented on blogs, everything I was reading from places like Huffington Post all the way to Washington, you know, Washington Post to New York Times, all over the place, right? There's mm-hmm. this, this uh, critique that this institution just lacks a passion for justice, that it's exclusive, that it's, you know... Um, angrily approaching issues that the rest of the world would love to talk about, like the lesbian, gay, mm-hmm. transgender conversations and, and doubt and things like this. And so it's like if we can meet people where they most find hope for their own life and this desire to be relational, open, and uh, a values-driven approach, I think that's going to be a much stronger appeal than just trying to defend or trying to be apologetic even for the things that we see around us that we may not even resonate with with other churches who may hold a, a very rigid stance on these things. So I don't know if that makes sense, but coming out of your question, I mean, exactly, like if we can help people see who they are becoming and the opportunity that the church has to uh, guide them in relationship and their openness and their values and virtues, I think that's a, a key piece of moving yeah. forward as we try to reach them. Well, it makes sense to me. And one of the other things is, and this is not to, to manipulate uh, scripture anyway, but I think that uh, there's a tradition within the church as a whole of reading scripture that would uh, that would that would say that when you see God at work in in and through the whole narrative, that God reveals Himself to be relational, um, that God is open. Um, that God is virtuous, and that virtue is driven in and through all of creation, um, and that God has embedded that within the life of human beings, but also in all of creation, has been imbued with that part of His character, those parts of His character, and that, um, that I think one of the great opportunities the church has had is to tell the story in such a way that it expands um, the the vision of the spirituality that millennials are describing here within this survey and uh and to do it in such a way that's really faithful to the to the narrative that we have and and I think of you know the eastern orthodox tradition and um and the wesleyan tradition in the west and also the um uh, the the asian um in the east church um is 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 having i think a great impact on the way that we we tell that narrative um, in such a way that God is much more open and relational. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, that's spot on. I think the key for me in helping churches reach millennials is to not be afraid of this phrase, 
oh, I'm spiritual but not religious. And to, yeah. embrace it, and to find that there is a hopeful uh, posture that you can take. It doesn't have to be one that's built around fear or uncertainty or doubt or confusion. When in mm-hmm. reality what we're hearing is, yeah, there's an, a bit of anti-institution, there's rigid rules that they want to avoid because those things are what restrict me as opposed to this relational, open, uh, values-driven life that I think the church does bring through the very things that you just mentioned. So at the end of the day, that's our goal. That's our our hope is to help churches uh, just kind of turn that coin and see that this doesn't have to be such a a fear-driven approach to connecting with millennials. Be sure to follow along on Facebook or Twitter, and if you have some time, sign up for our free ebook on thinkburlap.com. And as always, make sure to comment below or send us your comments on what you want to be talked about and addressed on these episodes of the Burlap Podcast. Mm-hmm.